don't know what comes to your mind when you think about the book of Acts. Um, perhaps not a book you've read recently or hopefully in the last week. Uh, but what sort of thoughts come to mind? It might be that it's about the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the, the first thoughts that come to you might be about uh, the, the, the sermon from Peter or the stoning of Stephen or the, the missionary journeys with uh, Paul. Uh, whatever your thoughts are about Acts, I, I hope that through this sermon this morning and through this series, we come to the understanding that God is at work in his church, his church being his people, that God is at work empowering his people by the Holy Spirit to tell others about Jesus. that there is a way to be forgiven of your sins, to repent and experience a life change, a new life, a life with purpose, that we, we can be made right with God by faith, that we can know our Creator as our Father. Believing by faith that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he rose again and has conquered sin and death, for eternity and he's coming again to take those who belong to him and God is at work in the church empowering them by the Holy Spirit to tell others about Jesus it won't be the first time you hear that this morning so I hope it starts to resonate with you and settle into your mind Luke is the author of Acts. It is a, a continuation, if you would like, of, of the Gospel of Luke. It's sort of like one big book, but sort of into two sections. And he continues on in the book of Acts and picks up from the end of the Gospels, the end of Gospel of Luke. He addresses it to Theophilus, both in the Gospel of Luke and also here in Acts. Uh, he's a guy we don't really know much about. His name means a friend or a lover of God, um, perhaps a, an important official. But in Acts 1, 1 to 11, what Megan read to us so well, it is part of and finishes the 40-day period from the crucifixion of Jesus to the time of his ascension to heaven. And from verse 12 onwards to the rest of the book is the 30-year the period of the beginning of the church. I've got to keep up here, falling behind. Acts is uh, known as we saw on the, on the screen earlier that Steve put together uh, as Acts of the Apostles. Uh, but perhaps if you were going to turn that into a, a drama, a mini-series or a movie we might name it Acts of the Holy Spirit or Acts of the Apostles empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's the only biblical text that articulates and timelines the history of the church immediately after Jesus gone to heaven. And while we say that Acts is about history, we also have to quickly recognise it's not merely just a book of history but it is a book founded on sound theology. 
that it is full of truth about who God is and what he wants with us as his people. God is at work in his people, empowering us to be used to tell others about Jesus. So we can break up the book of Acts in many ways. Uh, the, the basically a basic way is to sort of say that um, you know there's Peter's ministry and there's Paul's ministry. You can divide the book and and talk about what what Jesus had told his apostles to start in Jerusalem and then move outwards to Judea, the Jews and Samaria, the non-Jews and to the ends of the world. And you can look at Acts and see statements that break up the book by announcing movement of of location, geographic location and the talk of the church being persecuted and, and expanding and growing in number. And there's some references there you can look through. But I suggest this morning, however you want to divide the book, however you want to break it up and give it area titles, chapter numbers, the book of Acts is founded upon and based on this statement from Jesus Christ in Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. It's the truth, a statement of truth that started the church 2,000 years ago. And it's this statement that in 2017 we've got to hold on to and believe it as the truth that God has for us here at Monty, as his people, empowered by the Spirit to tell others of Jesus. It's not about Peter as much as that has changed the history of some churches and people's hearts and minds. It's not about Peter. It's not about Paul. It's not about Luke. It's not about Billy Graham. It's not about you or me. Jesus said in Matthew 16:18, "I will build my church." Jesus said, "I will build my church." They weren't told to build the church. We're here this morning. We're not told to build this church. They weren't told to save people. Here were some uneducated fishermen, some reasonably ordinary sort of people of the day. I can... I can really align myself with that. And at times they had deserted Jesus, they had misunderstood his teachings, they had failed to continually sort of trust in him. And I can align myself with that. Yet here in the book of Acts we see powerful 
people. Powerful men, ready to change the world from Jerusalem out. Powerful people, ready to do tricks that they've learnt and mastered. Absolutely not. Sometimes we put these unrealistic expectations on ourselves as to when we'll be ready to be used by God and have a powerful impact on the community and the people around us. That we're not quite at that stage in our life where God is able to use me to impact those around me. But God is really after a surrendered heart. It's not about us. It's not about where we think we're at. The, the power is, is from God. It's his spirit. We must make ourselves available. We must make ourselves available and ready to tell others about Jesus anytime, anywhere, then we will see the power of the Spirit at work. The apostles made themselves available and the power came from the Spirit. The message came from the Spirit and lives were transformed and cities and countries were transformed because God used his church empowered by the Spirit, telling others about Jesus. No matter where you look in this book of Acts, God's people are empowered by the Spirit, telling others about Jesus. People out of their comfort zone, people speaking other languages. At this time it was the the festival of Pentecost, 50 days after after the Passover feast that we, Connor was talking about this morning back in Exodus. They have the, the festival of Pentecost. Jews from all around the world would come to this one place here in Jerusalem. Many languages. God knew this. This was not a surprise. With all these different languages, God has the apostles speaking the truth of Jesus empowered by the Spirit. They were getting beaten for their faith. People risking their lives in order to tell others about Jesus. People murdered because they told others about Jesus. This is power. This is what we're talking about. This is the book of Acts. So this morning I want to ask a couple of questions. What exactly is this power? What what is this power? What does it look like? And and how are we witnesses? We're going to be hearing more about the Holy Spirit um, and the coming of the Holy Spirit from chap- in chapter two in in two weeks after next week. Um, so I, I don't want to be taking too much away from that. That's actually Dad Neil uh, Davies is coming and. I don't want to take too much away from him, um, but I think it's essential this morning that we look into and consider the what is this power, the this spiritual resource 
the Holy Spirit, a God-given resource that is made available to those who trust and put place their faith in Jesus Christ as their Saviour and Lord. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were um, sitting, myself and Mackenzie and Ava, Rachel's at work, and we went to Adelaide to see my family, uh, my sister and her family, um, and we were had a seat, uh, a seat on the wing. It was Tiger. So we weren't actually literally on the wing, while we just had a seat. They're pretty cheap. We actually had a seat inside the aeroplane, but just on that wing there when we looked out on the side. And uh, as we were sort of just going really slowly, really slowly backwards, you know, they get pushed. I always think it's amazing that they... I don't know, Andy, you can tell me. They actually have to... They're so powerful, but they have to get pushed by... Is it a truck or something? To go backwards, like... doesn't sort of make sense, but anyway. They only go forwards, right. Um, so we're sitting on the wing and we're getting put... And Ava's like, oh, are we flying? Are we take, have we taken off? Like, like, we're going backwards and we're crawling. Like, we could walk faster than this, so. And we looked, I told her to look at the wing, I said, wait till that sort of really picks up and I said, this is, you know, so powerful, it's going to take us into the air, like, it's going to lift us all up off the ground. And, uh, and so we did a little run around and got to the straight and sort of stopped for five, ten seconds and they start to walk, you know, make all that noise and on those cheap airplanes, they seem to make more noise, like they you haven't got much of a window or something, I And, uh, and Ava, so you know, we sort of we sort of saw that happen, and we took off and started going out over the ocean, and then you circle back and start heading east towards Melbourne. And as we were up that high, you know, I'm not great with heights, um, but the, one of my first thoughts was there's actually not a lot between where we are right now, <laughs> up in the air, and down there, like which is death. Like, and you know, it probably comes across pretty uh, pessimistic sort of point of view in an aeroplane, but because um, you know what you're getting yourself into. But I just thought that there's, you know, you got you're in this seat and this aeroplane, but we are fully dependent upon the power of these engines that are sitting on the uh, on the wing to get us back to Melbourne and fly us right through the air. And if they stop, that power stops. We're, doesn't matter what the two, 250 of us do, we can all hold hands, we can all get together, we can all learn some understanding of the aeroplane, but it's going to have absolutely no impact on that plane crashing. And it reminded me as I was thinking of this series in Acts that we are completely dependent upon the power of the Spirit for this, not only for salvation and for godly living, but for witnessing and for telling others about Jesus. This morning I want to look at just a few roles that display the power of the Holy Spirit as we evangelise and witness and tell others of Jesus. The first is... John 16, 8, uh, verse 11. can turn to it if you would like. I'm reading for the New Living Trans- Translation. I think it was it? New, New Living Translation. It might be a bit different to what you have there. John, uh, John 16, 8 to 11. And when he comes, as Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, when he comes, 
he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. I'm just going to leave it there. Actually, I just want to—I'll I'll leave it there. I won't need, don't need to go on. You can go on and read that another time. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. I think sometimes we think that's our role. Let people know where they've gone wrong. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. Ephesians 1.14 We heard this already, read out this morning. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. There's no need for salvation again and again and again. There's no need to receive the Holy Spirit again and again and again. The Holy Spirit comes into our life when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Saviour by faith and he is our guarantee of what is to come, our inheritance, eternity with our Saviour. 2 Corinthians 1 talks about it being a down payment and it's just a taste of what is to come when we are in his presence for eternity. John 14, 26 Jesus talking, when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. If you notice that the disciples, they weren't quoting the Old Testament through the Gospels. They were following Jesus and trying to grasp who Jesus is and why he was there in their presence. Even in, in, in Acts 1.6, their question to Jesus was, Lord, is the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And so there's still this confusion about the timeline and what exactly is happening next. Yet after the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they, and you'll see through the book of Acts as we go on in the next coming weeks, that they have a real understanding of who Jesus is in relation to the Old Testament. And they start to quote Old Testament when they come to evangelising to the Jews. The truth that Jesus' kingdom is a heavenly kingdom, it is spiritual, that it points to a saviour, a redeemer who died for the sins of the world, not just the Jews but the Gentiles. I like what Pat shared this morning about God's word because I've had these questions on my mind, how do we... How do we rely on the Spirit to teach us when we look at God's Word? When we try to make sense of God's Word with our IQ, it's foolishness to the world, isn't it? 
through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, God's word is powerful. It is life-changing, saving sinners and transforming us. And the last one is Acts 1, 8, which we've read, empowering us to witness. The Holy Spirit empowers us to witness. In a moment, I'll, you know, we'll look at the word witness and what it means to, to, to witness and to be empowered to witness. Um, but I, I believe there's two powerful ways, and there's probably more, but I want to look at this morning, two powerful ways that the Spirit empowers us as we witness. And that's through courage, courage or boldness, um, and and words. Uh, the disciples, and, and I'm not beaten up on the disciples this morning, it might come across like that. I'm actually, it actually reflects on them that, that their weakness in themselves, and, and it should reflect on us, our weakness in ourselves, and our dependency upon God. But the disciples, you know, it's fair to say they probably were not the toughest guys going around. Didn't seem to be in their DNA the bold and courageous people at any cost to stand up for their faith. They weren't the highly educated. They weren't seen from the outside as the most gifted, most intelligent but you note the change in their life after Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit came upon them. The fear of beatings, the fear of imprisonment, the fear of death didn't hold them back from saying, I believe in Jesus Christ and they want to tell everyone about it. The Holy Spirit was upon them to give them the words to speak at the right time. Sermons from the heart which the the Holy Spirit was powerfully using and bringing thousands upon thousands to know Jesus Christ. Uh, We, well I have many excuses. I've openly shared the gospel with at work uh, with family members in at Flinders Street Station, um, but I, I shamefully have many times said, "Not right now. I'm not up to that right now. I don't want to speak to that person right now. I'm inadequate to do that role." And when we make it about ourselves, when we make it about our own strength, we achieve nothing. But when there is a complete dependency upon the power of the Holy Spirit, it's no longer about what I can now do, but it's about what the Holy Spirit can do with me if I make myself available. walking to the person who is nasty, hard to love, hard to talk to and see 
the power that a few words of truth can have on their life. Going to a situation that would normally make you so uncomfortable you'd feel sick in the stomach and see the power of the Spirit at work in that place. You know, often it is said to preach the gospel and use words when necessary. I've heard that said here. I've heard it on on the TV and, and sermons all over the place. And I, I'm not to say that's not true. I think that's a good phrase, but it's not the whole truth. I don't think we should ever use that as an excuse to not go and speak truth to people. Can you imagine here in Acts 2 that if the deafening sound from heaven had come, the windstorms had come, the flames, the fires of tongue had come down upon God's people and they were to go out on the streets of Jerusalem and not say a word. Well, I don't know what happened with those 3,000 people. I think words are essential And Jesus said in Luke 12, the Holy Spirit is powerful and will give you the words to say at the right time. So now let's look at what it means to be a witness. We've touched on the power of the Spirit. What does it mean to be a witness? The original Greek word, uh, Con, what do you think? Is it maturio? maturio? How's that sound? Ah, oh, well, I can't say that. <laughs> uh, it means to, to affirm, to affirm that one has seen or heard or experienced something or it knows it from being taught by divine revelation or inspiration. It, it's where we get the word martyr from. As it is today, this word was very much a legal term um, back in the day, used in the courts as a, as a you know, an eyewitness would would help uh, with a case in court. And Luke says in the beginning of his writings that he's writing a careful account based on eyewitness reports from those with Jesus. In Christian context, the term came to mean the testimony given by people about Jesus Christ and his saving power and because this testimony was often followed by persecution and beatings and imprisonment and death the Greek word translated to form this English word martyr meaning someone who suffers and dies as they stand up for their faith So here are people who were alive at the time of Jesus, who had walked with Jesus, who had been taught by Jesus. They had seen what he had done firsthand and Jesus told them, be my witnesses, be eyewitnesses. And we are 2,000 years on and 2017 we are to be Jesus' witnesses 
well, what are we going to witness about? We haven't walked with Jesus when he was here. I haven't seen Jesus in the flesh, but I've experienced divine revelation. I am a new person because my faith is in Jesus Christ. I spend time with God. I pray with him. He talks to me. He changes me. And my experience of God working in my life is greater and deeper as my testimony about my Lord grows deeper and greater. I have more to tell others as my walk with the Lord grows closer and my experiences with him widen and my faith is stronger. I have more to witness and testify about. More to tell others about what Jesus can do for in their life. What is our testimony? What are we what are we actually telling people about? How Jesus has changed us. Ava it's all about Ava this morning, isn't it? Mackenzie's away, so I can't talk about Mackenzie. Um, Ava and, well, it's actually Ava and Mackenzie. Ava and Mackenzie were, um, I can't remember, I think we were at home. We were talking about a movie Mackenzie had seen. And, you know, I don't think Ava had seen this movie. But we might all be guilty of this one. Um, Mackenzie was talking about scenes from the movie. She said, oh, you know, where the, and that, and that, and that bit where the, the, the guy goes down the, the slide backwards. And Ava's like, yeah, yeah, that bit where the guy goes down the slide backwards, yeah, in the movie, yeah. And they're like, oh, where the, and then he jumps through all the puddles. Oh, yeah, and he jumps through all the puddles in the movie, yeah, yeah that one, yeah. <laughs> and she was just repeating everything that Kenzie was saying. She does that anyway, but pretending she sort of knew what it was all about. And it had me thinking that people see right through a witness who's lying about Jesus Christ. It has to be real. It has to be real for us first. It has to be real and genuine. If we don't have time for God, if we don't have time for, for prayer to before we make decisions to, to bring it to him. If we don't have time to experience what God can do in our life, then what exactly is our witness? What exactly is our testimony? What are we telling people? To accept Jesus Christ and go on living however you want to live. I'm, I'm far from getting this right so I, I hope this doesn't come across as Josh standing up the front telling us how to live. It's a challenge we all face. Perhaps today you, you are wondering where this power is. 
When will it be evident in your life? And I suggest that if you know Jesus as your Saviour and Lord, the power is being given to you already. Don't wait around for a flame to appear, tongues of fire to appear. Don't wait for any windstorm. Circumstances have changed. But our God has not changed. And his message has not changed. And the truth of Jesus Christ has not changed. His purpose for us as his church, his people, has not changed. We are his people. Empowered by the Holy Spirit to tell others about Jesus. I want to give you just a moment before we wrap this up in prayer. Perhaps just as a time of reflection this morning, just for a minute between yourself and God and maybe something the Spirit is challenging you with to just talk to him about. We can, we'll do that now, thanks. Lord and God, thank you for your word that it does not change, that you do not change. Thank you that you have a purpose for us as weak and fragile we may be, you are all powerful. You have made a way for us to be made right with you. And so we thank you and thank you for the privilege to be used by you, empowered by your spirit, to tell others about this eternal life-changing message of salvation. Lord, I pray we would be challenged to be a surrendered people, available to be used by you in this community, in this city, in the places we go and travel, anytime, anywhere, telling others about Jesus. In the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen.